another episode of the Climbing Hinge Podcast. This episode, it's Force Powers, Hacking the Unconscious Mind. We're going to go a step beyond our last podcast where we hacked expectations of another person. We are going to expand it to nine force powers, and we're going to describe and articulate how you, using these force powers, can hack the unconscious mind of another person. Before we get into that, what we're going to do first is we're going to go through how the unconscious mind works, how people make decisions about what they're going to do, what drives their motivations. It turns out that the self-control at a conscious level that people think they really have isn't really the case and that the subconscious mind exerts great influence and power over how people behave what they're motivated to do their goals their actions as yoda once said we must unlearn all that we have learned Basically what he's saying, we must unlearn all that we have learned, especially when it comes to how people think about goals and motivations and drives and behaviors and actions. Like, as I said, the common wisdom is that people are in total control of their actions and motivations and desires. As you will see from the research, that is not the case at all. And so what we can do is understanding how the unconscious mind works and how evolved psychological mechanisms work, EPMs, basically instincts and um, innate behaviors, we can hack those if we understand exactly how they work and the corresponding effect it has on another human being. So what we can do is we can hack their unconscious mind just to draw them towards us with those force powers, just like we did on expectations. So, first of all, we're going to get into the unconscious mind. Then we're going to go through nine force powers. Uh, acceptance, body language, and eye contact. Cooperation, expectations, empathy, fairness, social proof, scarcity, and touch. A, B, C, E, E, F, S, S, T, abscessed, if you can pronounce that. All right, so what we're going to do is first just get into the unconscious mind, how it works, what's really going on. And this goes back to tribes and ancient clans and groups of people and how they lived and how they survived 70,000, 100,000, 500,000 years ago. So how it works is that genes, our DNA, provides us, provides people with a general tendencies that are adaptive across local variations. This is from Dawkins in 1976. As Dawkins says, genes primarily drive behavior through motivations. The active goal or motive is the local agent by which genetic influence from the distant past finds expression in our behavior. So it goes back to the tribes. How important was acceptance? Very important. It meant life. Rejection meant death. So human beings evolved to understand those things so that if you were accepted, 
in a group, it would reward your brain. And if you reject it, it would cause psychological pain. All makes total sense. And those mechanisms, those EPMs, evolved psychological mechanisms, innate instincts, are very powerful at a subconscious level. They're involuntary. So if I make somebody else feel accepted, for example, and it rewards their brain because it activates the OFC, the orbital frontal cortex, feels good. I am the reward. All right, moving on, just a little bit more about the unconscious mind and goals. Individual behavior arose from a system of unconscious and selfish processes that predate the evolution of human consciousness. This is from Wang and Barg, 2014. So all these behaviors, motivations, actions, predate consciousness in human beings. Now, um, these multiple, sometimes conflicting goals that arise because of a conflict between subconscious and conscious motivations and goals can affect behaviors, judgments, and even self-representations in each person that may appear to be contradictory across time, which based, vary based on the goal that is most active in motivating in the moment. The mere exposure to environmental events, stimuli that we encounter, is sufficient to directly trigger higher mental processes in the absence of any conscious intention or awareness that the person is aware of. Higgins, 1996. The inconsistency principle proposes that as these multiple goals within an individual become active, subconscious, conscious goals, what happens as they operate and turn off, the person pursuing those goals may appear to be acting inconsistently. This is what happens, and this is how you get the phenomenon of cognitive dissonance, which is a conflict between goals, beliefs, actions. So what, what happens is, my wife says she's done. She's done with them. She's at a conscious level. She's made a conscious cognitive decision to end the marriage. But I am a very cunning user of these force powers. And I'm, I'm doing acceptance. I'm using good body language. I'm cooperating with her. I'm exceeding her expectations. I'm fair. I'm using social proof. A little incidental touch here and there. All of those things, as we're going to talk about each one, we're going to go through, provide a neural reaction in her body which makes her feel good. If I do them right, it rewards her. As we talked about expectations, when I exceed someone's expectations, dopamine is released. It motivates them to move towards the reward, which is me. If I'm rewarding somebody at a subconscious level, unconscious, they don't know. They, they can't, it's involuntary. They can't, they have no control over it, right? Because that's where these, these mechanisms lie at the subconscious, unconscious level. She starts feeling good about me. That's what creates the conflicts. Then she comes to me and says, I just want you to know that, you know, we're not getting back together. And I'm like, okay. 
I, I totally accept that. I understand. And, and I've been respectful and accepting of your decision since you told me. And I'm going to keep doing it. And she says, okay then. She walks away. And then a week later, we're, we're, we're spending time together with the kids. Very conflicting behavior. This is what drives it. The conflict between the subconscious, unconscious mind and the goals and motivations that are being set within the unconscious mind and her conscious decision to end the marriage. She's in conflict. By the way, when she came to me and told me, um, you know, by the way, we're not getting back together, I didn't do anything to provoke that other than exercise these force powers which are drawing her towards me. She doesn't have a choice. Now, just to put it in into play, um, things couldn't be so bad that, you know, uh, I've, I could have been done so much damage that no matter how good I am at these, these force powers, the, the Jedi and these Sith powers, that it may, the mission may be impossible. I may have done so much damage um, that no matter how I harness these force powers, I'm not going to be able to draw her back. But that's usually that's not the case. In extreme cases, that is. Um, all right, so we know now, as Yoda said, we must unlearn all that we have learned. So unlearn in your mind everything you think you know about how people make decisions and goals and motivations. It's not quite so simple and easy. And as a matter of fact, people think they have much greater control over their decisions and behaviors than they really do. We're all influenced by these, these, these things, instincts, innate structures, evolved psychological mechanisms. I, I encounter an external stimuli, Somebody, my girlfriend ex exceeds my expectations. I feel better about her. I don't have a choice. It's involuntary. That's how it works. That's why they're powerful. If you harness all these force powers and you take them in your hand, you draw that other person, draw other people towards you, not just your, your wife or your girlfriend or your partner, work colleagues, friends. All right, so... Now let's get into it. Let's go through the nine force powers. Um, A, B, C, E, E, F, S, S, T. Absist. All right, acceptance. Acceptance is a superpower. It's a magic pill. I've seen it in actions. I know how powerful and effective it is. Um, it has to do with elements of fairness and cooperation as well, as well as being heard. So it's multidimensional. Um, we know acceptance activates the OFC, the orbital frontal cortex. When people feel accepted, it activates that. Cooperation activates the OFC, the ACC, and the ventral striatum, all areas associated with being rewarded. Cooperation is another one. It leads to higher activation in the OFC reward area. So we know Acceptance is super powerful. It's associated with fairness, cooperation, acknowledgement, and feeling heard. Um, it turns out that fairness was a social cue in groups and tribes. If people were treating me fair, it was a social cue for that I am accepted. 
And so that's why it has evolved into an, an evolved psychological mechanism that tells people we're accepted if we're treated fair. And that's from research on Tabanini. So go through an example. If my wife comes, to, and it's multidimensional, but if my wife comes to me and says, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not in love with you. I love you, but I'm not in love with you. And I'm, 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 I want us to think about talking about separation and divorce. Remember, going back to expectations, first of all, her expectation is probably that I am not going to handle it well, okay? So, there's that already. Um, now, if I accept her, right, I accept her, I, I tell her, hey, you know what, I understand that you coming to me and telling me this is very difficult, I understand that, I love you. I respect you. If this is what you want, I, I, I can accept it. And I will be respectful and supportive of you going through the process. Not what I want. I do love you. Um, but what's most important is that you are feeling good in your decision. I know this is difficult for you. Boom. I've hit it out of the park. I've accepted her. I've been cooperative. Fair. I'm acknowledging her, making her feel heard. I am exceeding her expectations. I am using multiple force powers in this one conversation. Hitting it out of the park. Now, is she going to end things? Is she going to stop the divorce process because of this? Probably not. Depends upon the level of damage, how long we've been together, how many years I've been doing bad things and not making her feel loved and accepted, whatnot. But... I'm, it's the turning point. I can start turning things around, and this is the starting point of doing that. And so just in that one example, I used acceptance, fairness, uh, cooperation. I exceeded her expectations, empathy. I was probably I was using good body language, eye contact, open body, you know, soft face, making her feel safe as well. So she's probably using oxytocin, dopamine. I am hardwiring her to feel good, <laughs> okay? Force powers in action. So acceptance is super powerful. Now, uh, it's multidimensional. I have to do more than just tell her that. I have to behave and act that. So if I'm talking about us, like in a conversation, I have to be careful about the language I use and, and my behavior. If, if she asks for a divorce and I accept, I can't be be excessively needy or looking for attention or trying to get her to do things with me that will tell her I do not accept her her decision and then she'll it'll cause her to become angry at me because she'll say well he lied to me right um, so acceptance is multi-dimensional it's it's part delivery and what I say it's how I say it. it's my behavior every day that goes by uh, after Acceptance could be something totally different. Um, it could be the wife saying something like, I just want us to get divorced, and then after we get divorced, we can start dating again. Now, most people would say, that's crazy. Um, but if my wife is saying it and I accept her, she will feel, acknowledged, heard, accepted, that I'm being fair and cooperating. And guess what? Chances are we probably won't get divorced and we'll be back together. Not 100%, but a good chance. All right, so that's acceptance. Super powerful. A force power to be reckoned with. Magic pill, go back to the 70,000-year-ago tribes. Non-acceptance meant death. 
Rejection meant death. Acceptance meant life. That's why it's so powerful. Never forget how powerful it is. Boom! Second force power, body language and eye contact. Um, another incredibly strong uh, force power. People who used to come in contact with Bill Clinton used to say, he makes you feel like the center of the universe. Uh, I actually dated a, a, a girl many years ago and she had met Bill Clinton. She said, he is so incredible. He just makes you feel so amazing. I was like, why? What does he do? Just the way he looks at you. And I was like, okay. I didn't really believe it. I just thought she was power struck, right? I started doing a bunch of research and guess what? Eye contact is super powerful. And so Bill Clinton is very good at making the other person feel heard and accepted and understood. And he uses very, very good eye contact to do it. Let me explain just how it works. So if two people are engaging in extended eye contact and, and they do it for 30 to 60 seconds or more, in the right way, I'll explain what that means. What happens is, and they're, they're maintaining eye contact the entire time, not looking away. What happens is the body releases oxytocin and phenothylamine. You're also, your pupils will dilate, which, which signal interest to the other person. So what happens is we're engaging in eye contact. And we're doing it for 30 to 60 seconds. Oxytocin is released. Oxytocin makes, drives trust and attachment, feelings of warmth. I've done this before and if your body feels warm. Also, your body releases a, a chemical called phenothylamine, like a stimulant. So it excites you, it feels good and warm in your body. That's how it works. So in order to do it, you have to maintain eye contact with the other person. If they won't maintain eye contact, you cannot do it as successfully. Your body must be moving with the flow of the conversation. If I'm listening to the other person, I'm nodding my head as they speak, raising my eyebrows, tilting my head. I must come across as safe, friendly, and approachable when I do it. If I'm staring at the other person, not moving my body, it comes across as predatory, and then it will be scary, so it will not be effective. If you do it correctly and you practice it, because it takes up to 30 to 40% more of your cognitive resources to do it for an extended period of time, it takes energy. It is a super force power. The thing about body language too, signals a lot of things to other people. So when I'm, I'm, I'm listening to my wife uh, asking for a divorce, I'm open, my body frame's open, I'm, I'm facing her, I'm, I have a soft, gentle face, I'm nodding my head, eye contact, I'm hitting it out of the park in terms of my force powers for sure. Um, if I use my hands when I speak and I take up space, it signals um, that I'm higher status. That signals status and power. So women innately, without even thinking about it, when they see men acting like this, that's what it makes them feel. He's a higher status man. So thus, it's attractive if you understand all these things, you understand how they all work. Going back to the ancient tribes, how would higher status men in the tribe tribes behave? More, more confident, more dominant, taking up more space. People would give them space, right? 
So body language, another force power. All right, now we're on the cooperation. Cooperation activates the OFC, the orbital frontal cortex. It has to do with acceptance too. So if my wife is asking for a divorce and I'm cooperating in the process with her, not fighting it like some guy, a lot of guys do, makes her feel good about me. Right? That's what, that's what it makes her feel good about. So use these force powers to your advantage. Why wouldn't you? Um, the next force power, expectations. We talked about this extensively. I'm not going to get into it. If I exceed my partner's ex expectations, it provides a contrast from what their expectation is to what the result is. That triggers a dopamine release, which rewards them. Dopamine has to do with memory motivation, movement, reward. So it enhances their memory and it motivates them to move towards the reward. Me, my force powers. Listen to the last podcast on uh, hacking expectations. We go into great detail. The next force power, empathy. And empathy is really all it is. It's, and it's, it, it, not to put it lightly, it's a hard skill to really master because there's multiple components. Empathy is kind of a three-step process. Number one, I can understand and feel the other person's lived experience and what it makes them feel from an emotional state, which can be hard because somebody could have went through a really horrible experience. How can you fully put yourself in their shoes to understand it? The more you can do that, the better you can, you can express empathy. So I, I understand somebody's lived experience. My wife has been agonizing over telling me um, that she wants a divorce. For most women, it's agonizing. Most guys don't understand that. So if I can demonstrate that I understand that when she comes to tell me and I tell her, I, I, I know this is hard for you. And she says, yes, I'm demonstrating empathy. Empathy is I understand her lived experience, I communicate it back, and she, I see that she acknowledges it in some way. Three parts. A good way to practice empathy is perspective taking, right? And that means I say things like, um, I can only imagine how difficult that would be. Or what I'm hearing is that you've had a really difficult time. Or what I'm seeing is you've been struggling with this. Perspective taking is a good way to frame empathy statements so you can practice those. Sometimes it can be just more subtle and just you know, absorbing what the other person is saying. But So empathy has to do with acceptance, feeling heard, cooperation, fairness. It's a kind of an indirect force power. Um, the things that I'm doing through empathy, demonstrating acceptance, fairness, cooperation, them feeling heard, are the things that activate the evolved psychological mechanisms in their body and make them feel rewarded. Again, if I'm activating rewards in their body, I'm the reward via the force powers. Okay, next one, fairness. Um, Again, fairness leads to higher activation in the ventral striatum, the OFC, the left amygdala, all areas that are rewarding. Unfair treatment leads to pain and activation in areas of the brain associated with pain, social and physical pain. 
the, the interior consular um, area, the ACC, has to do with distress and pain. So not being fair uh, leads to pain on the other person. One thing about fairness is you got to kind of understand, like, what does the other person feel is fair and what should typically be fair? If you have somebody that has a real victim complex, a lot of times their sense of fairness is extremely skewed. So if, if my wife has a victim complex and she comes to me and she wants a divorce and she wants everything, right? I mean, everything. It's a, a 100% custody of the kids. Um, do I want to try to use force powers of fairness and, and to, to get her back? Probably not. I want, to be, I want to be firm and gentle and cooperative, but if she says, I want 100%, I want 100% custody, I want all the financial stuff, I would probably say, I, I understand your perspective and what you want. I'm going to have to speak. I, I, my, from my perspective, that is not um, fair and appropriate based upon other divorces from what I'm aware of. And I think we'll have to talk about it more, our lawyers and so forth. But uh, as far as being respectful and supportive of your decision, I, uh, the divorce, I, I accept that. And I will support the process. So fairness always requires some context about what is fair. And you can understand what's fair by looking at benchmarks. How, how have other couples done it? What are, what are typical judgments? What are typical uh, you know, cooperative agreements look like in a divorce or separation? Or, or other issues, right? Um, so fairness, if you do it appropriately, it rewards their brain. Again, you're rewarding them. You're exercising force powers. They're making them feel better about you. We talked about how this process works. When you're activating these things, these innate psychological mechanisms that exist in their mind, it's motivating them to move towards you because you're the reward through these force powers. Their conscious decision is to divorce, separate, break up, whatever it might be. You could, you could be in a, a much better relationship and it's not that heavy, right? But that's what causes the cognitive dissonance. Just be aware and understand that. All right, next force power is social proof, right? And so social proof is based upon ancient herding, herding type behavior. Group acceptance, group exclusion, right? If you're going along with the group in those tribes 70,000 years ago, you had a much better chance for the most part of survival. If you went against the group, you might become an outcast and die. So what has happened? That has devolved into an evolved psychological mechanism where most people will tend to go along with the group what they appear, what they think is the group, or what they think is what's popular. That's why you have people on social media. Um, I think I just saw where the, the president, um, half, half the president's followers on Twitter were fake. Why do they have fake followers? T to make it appear that they have a large following. So it provides more social proof. If everybody likes the president and following them, I should too. All right. 
So that's where it evolved from. Group acceptance, exclusion, survival. So again, it's a powerful thing. And if you can signal social proof to somebody else, uh, it becomes powerful. Basically what happened is the brain places an emphasis on the encoding of experience where the person is making a judgment or action that aligns with the group behavior, right? So if I am making judgments that align with group behavior, it activates a rewarding part of the brain. If I go against the group's behavior, it activates areas associated with pain and discomfort. That's why group think and group dynamics can be very powerful. Again, going back to ancient tribes. You go against the group and what everybody else is doing, unless you're a very strong character and have a very strong uh, spine, it's hard to do many times. Um, And so that's where it stems from. So how do I use this? I can create the, the impression that I have social proof. How can I do it? I become more popular, I'm doing more activities, I'm busier with friends, I'm going out more because I'm, people want me to go out, right? Um, things like that. And so as I harness that, I expand my friendship group. I'm doing more things. I'm letting people see and hear about the activities that I'm doing. I'm flying to Hawaii next Tuesday to speak at a conference because they want me to be there. All those things signal acceptance, status, and social proof. And so inherently, in the other person's mind, they want to align with the idea that the group loves me, right? Because that's how it works. Brain places an emphasis on the encoding of experiences where where people aligns with the group. It rewards it. That's from uh, Gibbons in 2015. That's what the research shows. So if I can manufacture, establish in some way, using my force powers, my cunning skills as the fox, I can use this force power very subtly, right? Where the other person senses that the group is giving me their, 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 their support, so I'm more popular. That signals social proof. It's rewarding to their brain if they, if they align with it. Next force power is scarcity. And so scarcity works um, like rejection. Let's just explain how it works. If I reject somebody, and let me just explain, there's some caveats to this, but if I reject somebody in the right way, with a sense of fairness appropriated and no maliciousness, Um, they feel rejected. So when they feel rejected, if I do it the right way, what happens? It activates their dopaminergic system. As we talked about on the Expectations podcast, their their nucleus acubums are activated. They don't get dopamine, so they get a craving. Now they have a sense that they want me, right? And that person is probably not skilled in reframing, resist, and elevating, so they feel the rejection and it makes them feel more drawn to me. When you reject somebody, what you wanna be careful of is some people are very rejection sensitive. 
a lot of people with a victim victim mindset. So you have to be careful about how you do it. Um, no matter what, you always want to do it with elements that are perceived to be fair and somewhat cooperative. Let me give an example. Uh, things have been rocky with me and my wife. She wants a separation, but we've been making progress because I've been using these force powers, the ancient Sith holocrons where I've, where I've drawn them from. And um, she's feeling better about me. But, you know, she's, she's still kind of hiding and, you know, got some boundaries up. So I say, hey, I, 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 I ask her this week, I say, hey, next week maybe I'm going to be over by your, your job. And um, if you have time, maybe we can grab lunch. Real informal, right? I'm going to be over there. I'm not making a special visit, right? All things so I don't activate her cognitive dissonance. And um, she says, yeah, that, you know, okay, if you're going to be over there, let's let me know the day. And then Monday comes. And I say, hey, you know what? I, I just, I'm super busy. I'm slammed at work. Got meetings going crazy. I don't think this week's going to be good. Can we move it to next week? And she says, sure. Okay. Well, just let me know. Is she disappointed? Probably because I rejected her. Her expectation was that we were gonna have lunch this week. I've taken it away. But you notice, I did it in a manner that was fair and, and appropriate. I, I asked her on Monday, and I asked her. I said, can we move it? I didn't wait until the day of. I didn't wait a half hour before we were gonna have lunch. I didn't let it go in the week. I gave her advance notice, and I asked her if it was okay. That's a good way to do it. Because then she doesn't sense that I'm doing it because i am got an axe to grind or I'm you know, trying to play games with her or whatever. I'm playing the game. Um, but concealed <laughs> in shadow. Um, so you got to be careful when you use scarcity. They, the other person cannot sense that you're doing it in an unfair or malicious manner. Because if you do, that causes pain and that they use it against you, uh, for the most part. You gotta be, again, every woman, every, every man is on a spectrum of these things, so you gotta kinda wanna judge how they react to things, get a sense for it. That is eight of the force powers. Now we're on to the final force power for today, it's touch. Again, touch is powerful. If you do it right, you gotta be careful. Because again, it's the, the relationship that you have with the other person. If I'm on a first date, I gotta use touch sparingly, an incidental touch, a brief touch here and there. Um, if I've been dating my girlfriend for a year, and we we're at an eight out of 10 in terms of you know, strength, I can touch her way different, right? And it's much more allowed. So first date, uh, she might have her hand on the table. I reach over and tap it. Just real tap, one second. And I say, hey, I'm going to head off to the bathroom. Eye contact, smiling. And I'll be right back. She says, okay. And I, I, I head off. So that touch, incidental touch, what happens is it activates the orbital frontal cortex, which is a brain area associated with rewards and compassion. Touch can also soothe and calm the cardiovascular system and activates the parasympathetic nervous system, which is the rest and relax response. That's why healing touch works. Um, also, it can trigger oxytocin. 
makes you feel good. Important that if you're using touch also, that touch along with a smile has a much more effective response. That's research from Ellingson in 2013. Um, so we know touch is powerful. It rewards the brain, can release oxytocin, re, re, um, resets or activates the uh, parasympathetic nervous system, de-stresses you. Some research on touch, just the incidental touch, waitresses and waiters, where they touch the forearm of the, the customer, the patron, when they were asking the, for their order. Real gently say, oh, hey, did you want such and such? They reach over and touch them. One research study increased tips by 30, I think 36%, 30 to 40%, they said. Other research showed the same stuff. Uh, People coming into stores that were touched gently on the the forearm um, spent more time in the stores and spent more just from a simple little touch. Touch is powerful. Um, But it has to be appropriate and in the right context. If I've just met a girl and I'm flirting with her, and I put my arm, my fingers on her arm, and I leave them there for like an extended period of time, it's probably not appropriate. She'll pull her hand away, and I'll get penalized. It's not helping me. So force powers, they, they, you have to have a lot of context for how you execute and implement them. And in the context of the situation, and they're subtle in many ways. They're not one rule all. You have to understand the nuance of how they work. And if you do that, what can you do? Using these nine force powers, you can hack the unconscious mind of the other person and create trust, attraction, reward, cooperation, acceptance, exceeding their expectations, drawing them towards you using these force powers. But first and foremost, like Yoda said, you must unlearn all that your mind has learned. The ideas human beings have about how people make decisions is shallow and wrong. All right, force powers, acceptance, body language, cooperation, expectations, empathy, fairness, social proof, scarcity, and touch. Nine of them. You can swirl out, put your arms out, execute, draw those people towards you to a better day with balance in the force. Thank you once again for listening to this episode of the Climbing Hinge Podcast.